So it's like in the gut types, I think body types, you're in that space of what existence is made from. I mean, that's a serious place of leverage and power. If you have a lens into, you know, the building blocks of what it is to be a human, to exist and so forth, you know, that's pretty extreme autonomy and power. It's sort of a God space in a way, right? Yeah. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovic, uh, sexual self-pres, over the five wing, four or five, eight, trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pres, sexual, nine with one, nine, seven, four, trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an eight wing seven, sexual self-pres, with eight, five, four, fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self-pres, social, three, wing four, with a If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe us on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Yeah, so I did a coaching session today. It was pretty good. But what what came up in different ways was, or like was in the back of my mind, a lot of it was like, how do we understand the Enneagram? Like the three of us have all done, had like taken very strange and um, unconventional paths to understanding the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you, like what, like what resources or experiences are necessary to understand how the, what the Enneagram is and what does it mean to understand the Enneagram? And also like, like, you know, I've done a lot of workshops, for example, but like, I don't think Emma or David, you've ever been to workshops, right? I mean, besides like the ones that you've done, but I mean, I've, I've never... That's not how I learned the Enneagram. I didn't really yeah. do it that way. Um, yeah, just a few things that at the conferences were kind of workshop-ish where people yeah. would break off into groups and some of that kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, like I've done retreats and I've taught retreats and then mm-hmm. there's no like book to go to that right. has it all. And part of what's interesting in this discussion is the, the learning the, and knowing that is involved in the three centers. Like I know like Emika, you always bring up your body impression. Yeah. You know, and then like David, you have a lot of a strong mix of the body impression and the mental center stuff going on. And like, I think I get all into the SNC thing because of my heart center shit. Right. And so, you know, a lot of people that are listening, I imagine, are interested in learning more about the Enneagram. And, you know, a lot of people have a kind of American capitalist, what am I going to get out of this kind of mindset? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, Like, I don't know, like, that's not going to yield results. Like, we didn't come into the Enneagram and learn as much as we did to be able to even just sit down together and just talk about a fucking topic because we were like, all right, we're going to get our diploma. Yeah, I know. Or use this in business or... Right. But I think it might be interesting to talk about, like, what is thinking about the Enneagram and what is learning about it and what is, like, being able to uh, take new impressions about it and all that kind of stuff. I think that sort of veers, starts to veer into people's learning styles. Um, Like it's more of a question of how do you learn anything? And uh, some people think of learning things in terms of classrooms and books. And I learned, I was that kid who learned the most from the class project. Like if, if there was a problem 
you know, some difficult thing that had to be done, then, then I would learn the things that I needed to know in order to make that thing happen. And so my approach to learning the Enneagram was I wasn't interested in anything that wasn't integral to getting to getting what I some difficult thing done. Like, for example, it was like, okay, so you can type. So um, I learned the Enneagram because I was trying to figure out how to type people. And, um, and so that's just, that's just me as a body type and, and my learning style. I have Enneagram books or I've picked up Enneagram books, but I've never read a full Enneagram book. I only read the parts that I needed to know. But because I'm an, I learn experientially and I'm like ravenous about like doing it that way, uh, that's just what works for me. But I can't necessarily say to someone that that's, that's going to work for them. It's more like, okay, this is my learning style. And I, I just had genuine curiosity about this thing. And so it just happened. Um, well, I think that's pretty actually interesting because like, like, you know, I don't think I'm saying anything shocking, but like a lot of people don't associate, not to say that there's not a lot of intellectual eights, but they don't associate eight with intellectualism, you know? Right. There's like, because a lot of the eight personalities mental center is caught up in concrete goals. Right. And so like what I know about you and your, your curiosity, there is like a goal orientation or like a object objective, like, you know, typing people. Right. Right. Like, that was a thing. And that's just something that I see captures your interest a lot is like, how do you really know how to type people? But, you know, you've, you've taken it beyond, I don't know, like using it as that. And, oh, and yeah. you, you know, it's like, but it like, you know, I had to go up that octave. Exactly. And, and I think for any type, anybody, uh, they have to take it up an octave. Absolutely. Like I, I would have never sat down and envisioned that I would end up with this Enneagram stuff. I would have never imagined that this is where I would have ended up. It just started off with one question that I was curious about and that led to the next thing. And next thing, you know, I'm learning about fixations and essence. And, you know, I didn't, inv you know, I didn't plan this, just, <laughs> yeah. you know, like one thing led to the next thing. It's like, Oh, this, this new interesting thing that I'd like to figure out. Um, you know, I think what got me into was typing and typing was only important because I wanted to figure out if there was some kind of, attraction sort of a uh, um, map between any of the types and so I was really that was really motivating for me like I really needed to figure out if there was something like that going on which meant so that that's needed... eight doing sec eight version of sexual instinct how do I get this <laughs> done yeah right yeah right. Attraction. I was like if there's any possible way that there is because I felt like there was some kind of type pattern in what I, who I was attracted to and, you know, this Enneagram thing kind of had a, a map of some sort and I could see that there was something going on. And I was like, so like, so curious. It's like overwhelming curiosity to, to see if I could figure it out. And so, so next thing, you know, it's like, that's, that's what got me into it. And, and then of course, like realizing, Oh, it's, there's these huge psychological dynamics that are going on. And uh, if you know someone's type, you, you can really like know so much about them. And so, you know, that becomes that its own thing. And one thing leads to the, leads to the next, and then you're getting into instinctual, like, so, right. you know, I didn't, I didn't, I would have never planned. I didn't envision that I would get this deep into it. It just, uh, I had a deep curiosity and, and I was, uh, really aggressive about, you know, trying to figure it out, figure it out in my own way. 
but you're also a freak eight because you're <laughs> a bit more introverted. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah. like a lot of eights have a trouble, um, you know, not to mischaracterize eight, but there are a lot of like in- intelligent intellectual eights, but mm-hmm. they're not as common because a lot of eights are more extroverted. And so the objects of their attention and wisdom is usually something outside in the world. Oh, yeah. And yeah. So, you know, it's your you're fascinating sort of study because uh, your more introverted temperament, it's like you're able to apply eightness to something introspective. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that I, I, I like about myself, but I also really hate about myself because it makes me pretty not functional in the sense that, uh, yeah, I can get things done, but it's not really out there in the world. Uh, and there's not a whole lot of money uh, in, in internal esoteric topics. Um, right. There's not really. So, yeah, I mean. And that gets into an interesting topic, too, that, that I like to look at, which is kind of the fixes at war with each other right and like yeah you know mm-hmm. like four and five for you amica kind of um causing a problem for eight in a in somewhat of a significant way oh yeah that's interesting yeah, yeah. i mean because this is a problem of I, I like to have a big impact in the world and i know that i can but yeah. um where my attention goes is kind of ruins all of that because i can have a big impact but it's not really it's a lot of internal stuff, um, yeah. which can be big in some ways, but it just it doesn't really have the capacity to be that big. <laughs> Pretty limited. Well, I mean, like something introverted, like an object of introverted attention, uh, you know, you have to put it inside somebody. Like you have to yeah. penetrate them. So like there's a lot of extroverted displays and extroverted things that like have a, that immediate, like I'm seeing the object or seeing the display or seeing presentation and so i'm like whoa wow but it doesn't necessarily penetrate people's deeper layers and so mm-hmm. the thing i see in you is you know an interest in what gets those deeper layers but it's like you know it's like very eightish and it's very in conflict with eight at the same time because you like to you like that kind of like fucking with deep penetration kind of thing uh that introverted thing that causes those big inner shifts in people but yes. it's, it's a harder object to deliver yeah <laughs> it's um that's that, you, yeah. yeah you basically just summed it up in in terms <laughs> of uh uh that's basically what my life is about but so um, it's an I'm endless tra- puzzle in a way and that's a problem because it's not delivering uh on de- there's no deliverables as i'd say in business yeah, yeah. I, I i struggle a lot in in terms of my motivation for things in terms of i know that something has big impact but i could impact someone but I don't see the potential for like mass impact. And yeah. Um, and so it's really frustrating because I'd like to, I'd like to be able to deliver something uh, on a more massive scale. And I tend to get discouraged when it's just, this is just about me and maybe a few other people or, you know, but there's really nothing that I'm doing that feels like it could be bigger than that. So what's like, like, I mean, cause like, in in the past like i know you know you were in wrestling and things like this it's like in engineering and all this kind of shit it's like uh but yeah like so like how before before something like enneagram like how did you uh experience the similar deal like how did like what did you mm-hmm. find that like had an impact uh that might be comparable to like the the quality of interest you have in the enneagram 
I, I define periods of my life based on like central objects of obsession. It, it tends to be, so before the Enneagram, I think the first book that I ever asked my parents to buy me was like a book about birth order. And so I just had like a general interest. This is kind of like what led to the Enneagram. So even before the Enneagram, I just had a general interest in like, sort of like people's different psychological maps. Like, oh, this is interesting. This is gonna be a way to figure people out. Um, so I've always been circling around those kinds of topics um, for most of my life, just um, not like from a super intellectual place, but it's like, okay, maybe I can read an article or maybe I can read the short book and I can latch onto an idea and I start to like mix and match them in my own kind of way. Um, and it was just like this interesting shit that I could use to mess with people or um, give insight to, to people or my friends or myself. And then like, you know, like, for example, I'm into, I've into physical art, you know, physical sports, like wrestling. And, you know, that was kind of an obsession because it was like wrestling is uh, any sort of martial art is, is heavy on technique. Like, you know, learning, you have to like get pretty specific, like how to move your body and how to position yourself. And that can be a very deep, you know, thing to dive into. But I'm not like an athlete type necessarily. You know, I'm not, I don't really care about, you know, that much about, but I, I got into like figuring it out, you know, figuring out difficult parts of the sport. And so you can apply that to just about anything that interested me. Like I, you know, there was one time that I picked up uh, building computers and it was kind of like, well, I don't really. Yeah. Just holy shit. Yeah. yeah just for like maybe two years where uh, I was uh, working for GE doing these uh stupid ass internships and i just needed something to do and so i was like i'm gonna build a computer um <laughs> this is probably like okay. 2003 and it's like i don't know how to build a computer i don't you know like there's a list i think i saw a website that had like a list of instructions and i was like that's actually doable it was just interesting to me because i, I thought <laughs> computers are like so complicated and i was like it's actually not that complicated if i follow this list of instructions um, and people like, you know, but I did it and then I lost interest. It was like, I have these, this pattern of, I can go, I can dive into something that catches my interest for a month, a year. I figure it out and then I'm done. And like, people were like, you know, you should build computers for other people. I built computers for like most of my family and a couple computers for myself. And because it was cheaper, it was, the idea was it was cheaper than you know uh what she would buy and then people thought oh you're a computer guy you're like you're into computers like no i'm not <laughs> i'm just i was into figuring it out and now i'm done with it so i just have a just this recurring pattern of going deep into some sort of interest and then and then losing it or just dropping it completely and the enneagram was like the first one that never went away i i couldn't believe I just expected that I would get into it, figure it out, and I would just move on, and it never happened. Um, so, like, because people would tell me, you know, you should teach this stuff or you should do this and that. And I'm like, no, nah, I just, I this is just something I mess around with. And ten years later, I'm still fucking around with this thing. So that's been my pattern: is I get interested in something, and there's some sort of excavation involved, and hopefully, it's something that I can use to. I don't know, either fuck with people or make something interesting happen for myself. Um, or even just like, you know, art, for example, like, you know, I don't know how to make this sort of art and I figure out my own way 
to do it and then I lose interest, you know, and I move on. And so, so certain things stick. A few things have stuck, but most things don't. That's kind of basically has been my whole life. <laughs> well, what's what's interesting to me is, you know, like your introduction of the word leverage to eightism, you know, like Yeah. Like that just needing leverage, not power, not whatever these dumb words are, but like right. leverage is like a motivating force. So like it sounds like you're like making computers for your family is just kind of getting like certain like, you know, leverage over the like necessary expense of a computer or you know what I mean? Like certain, yeah, yeah. certain basic commodities. You've got the corner on that. You've got. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't look at it that way, but it's kind of weird to look back on. It's like, what the fuck was I doing? Why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Such a random thing to do. I built like five computers basically um, from scratch. Like. Like that's, you know, it's like I look back on my life and there's just like random things that I've done that I've never done again. Like teaching English for a couple of years in Mexico. Like, why? Why did I do that? <laughs> just... yeah, part of why I'm like sort of interested in this is, you know, like David's comment to me about, you know, like uh, the other day about, you know, like being motivated by internal things or external things, like an extroverted motivation or introverted motivation. Mm-hmm. And how like ex- like, and what I mean by that is like like practical things will never motivate me to do anything, you know. Like no. No. things that are like material things will never motivate me to do anything, but some fucking abstract introverted aim, I will do whatever for, you know. Like the uncovering yeah. of like some kind of kind of knowing or something. And so I've been just like since David ma- mentioned that I've been kind of like using that lens of what are people motivated by introverted wise or extroverted wise. And I don't just mean being like having an extroverted social temperament of being outgoing or something versus whatever, but like what psychological objects are, so to speak, are motivating people Mm -hmm. and pretty interesting. Yeah. That's the conversation, the topic of, you know, learning, uh, I just think, uh, you know, different types are going to have different paths to that and they're going to emphasize different things like, you know, learning the Enneagram. I didn't really necessarily give a shit about how uh, reputable my sources are. Like it it felt like I was very I'm very comfortable because the Enneagram is pretty unproven in a lot of ways. Like it's not it's a lot of just information scattered. And I was very comfortable with um that is sort of a wide open field and you just have to get in there and figure it out, figure out what works. And for a lot of people, they struggle with that. It's like, how do you learn this thing that isn't organized and, and um, structured in a way that you can go point step by step. And uh, it requires someone to get into it and not know what's on the other side. And uh, a lot of the things that I've done in my life require that. And maybe I'm just excited about, I don't know where I'm going to go with this. I'm just going to, see what happens and get creative and see what I can learn, uh, what surprising things I can get out of it. And that, that was my way. But I, I recognize that a lot of people struggle with learning the Enneagram. It has to do with just in general, how they learn things. And some things are already figured out, like, you know, in school and they have the curriculum and the books that you need to read their tests and all that kind of stuff. And other people really thrive in situations where there is no rule book. There is no, right way to do it and you have to come up with something you have to come up with your own insights um you have to discover something and so i feel like a lot of times when people say you know how do i learn an enneagram it's like it's 
generally people who want a roadmap um, because the people who don't want a roadmap are going to learn whatever they need to learn anyway. They're just going to figure it out their own way. You're interesting because you're sort of a type mismatch of introverted motivation, but an extroverted type. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty yeah, interesting yeah. because I know like I've had friends who have like partners who are more on the extroverted side of the scale and sort of frustrated that their partners uh, haven't taken to the Enneagram. You know, I'm not trying to denigrate extroversion by any means or say that there's something shallow about it, but I'm just saying like, I'm curious, I guess, like we don't have like any like genuine extroverts on this call, but yeah. Uh, like, I don't know, what is the inner, like, what is the inner turn for somebody who's got an extroverted temperament that gets them uh, engaging with the Enneagram and engaging with it on a level that's not just, um, oh, I can coach other people and make money this way yeah. or something. Yeah, I think, for example, my, I have some experience with threes and, and I, I do notice uh, that a lot of assertive types just it's there's not even any room for something like the Enneagram. It's like, it doesn't even penetrate. <laughs> and so what I end up having to do, you know, in order to get to them, which is I realize that's kind of my thing is sort of figuring out how do I get to this person? You know, how do I, you know, and for multiple reasons, like, um, you know, how do what I, what does that phrase mean? Get to them. Um, like if, you know, if someone's in front of me, I feel like, um, I've, you know, observing myself that I'm, unconsciously trying to find points of psychological leverage in terms of how do I get you to pay attention to anything? What gets your attention? What mm. triggers you? What um, excites you? You know, I could talk about the Enneagram, but how do I even frame it in such a way that captures your attention? And part of what's happening in real time is that I'm recording or downloading like you know, I, I'm sort of like trying to intuit what I need to do, you know, like reading this person to see, figure out like what I need to do or how I need to frame this thing in a way that that will land with them. So with assertive types, I've recognized that, you know, most assertive types are only interested in what they can get, you know, what they can get mm -hmm. done. And the Enneagram has to give them something, has to give them some kind of result. And, you know, if it's a three, you know, they're go, go, go all the time. And I, so I, I tried to, especially if it's a guy who works in, in corporate, I tried to uh, connect it to, Hey, you know, you've, you've had these sort of psychological assessments at work. Um, and sometimes these companies use them to, to sort of um, have better work environments, better work chemistry and all that kind of stuff. And maybe I see what their reaction is. And, and then uh, I see if I should go further that direction. Um, or if it's a if it's a woman, you know, most women are interested in relationships or interested in in their partners and what makes this guy tick. And so, what most women are naturally into it, so it's not that hard for guys. You kind of have to figure out, like, okay, like, what does this guy give a shit about? Um, and I have to sort of give them that. Whereas, you know, certain types, I don't have to do that. Like, you know, if it's a nine, uh, already pretty interested in withdrawn topics. And just even getting into the Enneagram, even the idea of a personality type is, is going to be interesting to them. Um, and so for me as a, an assertive type, I'm, I'm sort of like, at least my style is, I'm 
trying to figure out how I can, you know, provoke this person to care about this really obscure thing. And that's what my personality is doing. Whatever it is I'm talking about is I, I need to figure out like how I can get to you. So, yeah. And then with David, like, I know that like you learned the Enneagram from somebody in your, in a band that you were in, but like, how did you, like, what was your motivation to keep probing the Enneagram? So, yeah, I'm thinking about that as we're going through this and to the degree that let's say actually in a weird way, eight and one are iterations of nine in a way, in a weird way that you wouldn't expect, right? As far as Mm. stuff around autonomy and I'll use the word power, right? So, and, and this is like where the, that, you know, the, that roasts on nines, especially nines with one, the philosopher of the universe comes from, it's doing power in an introverted way. It's like, um, if I know and see into you better than you see yourself, I have power and I'm never going to, I'm probably, I'm probably, so it's kind of shadowy, right. And it's also a way maybe the line to six in the sense and, and how nine and six have just a sense of not necessarily having a full grasp of your own personal power. Right. Mm. And so this is a, it's like a secret way to have power over everybody. Right. Yeah. Like if I have the model of your psychological structure, there's probably nothing I'm going to do with that, but just having that in reserve is a kind of, um, feels like a kind of ultimate, um, autonomy that I've just got that in my toolkit. And I'm, uh, you know, I can't think of a time that I've necessarily ever used that. I don't think, you know what I'm saying? In a, yeah, (laughs) I use it all the time. (laughs) I mean, of course I, you know, I can use it as a nine to sort of ease or smooth some things, you know, in certain contexts, but, but for the most part, it's, it's that abstract model because it's coming again. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, this is sort of shadow nine stuff, right. Of, uh, I mean, I don't want to totally denigrate myself, but, but cause there's, you know, there's maybe in the mud, (laughs) there's maybe an (laughs) essence piece or something like, uh, that is, uh, that I am simulating, right. Or whatever, or have some connection Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, who knows, maybe I'm the devil, but let's see. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's just that that sort of having that ultimate sky view 10,000 feet, you know, above, you know, each individual and humanity in a certain way. I'm just kind of repeating myself, but it's that it's that That's kind good. of thing. Yeah, it gives a, uh, a sense of personal power. Well, you know, what, what that brings up for me is like, like, what is power? Because, you know, eight and nine are both explicitly like power types in different ways and people hear power and they get afraid of that word or afraid of what power means but i think like what i'm kind of hearing in power that's explicit in the way you're talking david and implicit in the way that emica is talking is like like i don't think emica mentioned power but maybe you did i don't know leverage your power whatever yeah yeah, leverage well from what i'm getting like you can have like yeah like a, a power over something or something like that but like sounds like you're talking about like the right to exist, you know, like, Mm. 
the right to take up space and like the autonomy thing. It's like the right to, to, to occupy something because like, you know, I mean, even though I'm not a body type, like a lot of the events that have been happening to me recently have been uh, this thing about how much do I owe to myself to take up space or like in the sense of like the nine problem is like, how much do we overlook ourselves or how much do we expand in the world? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that we all have this sort of way that we have unconsciously trained ourselves to kind of give up on ourselves because we're selfish or something like that, you know? And, you know, so then it ends up all this, like we inevitably need to take up space because we do take up space. But then if we're not conscious of it, we start uh, taking up space in ways that are like underground and fucked up. So um, anyway, I just I was curious about yeah, y- y'all's perceptions of power. Yeah, I was going to say that I think what took the Enneagram to the next level for me when I when I realized like, holy shit, this is like such a deep psychological tool that it would give me an insane amount of leverage in situations with people. Also, as a social last, I felt like I got like the cheat sheet, the, you know, the cheat book on <laughs> on how to deal with people, because I'm always like, yeah. you know, it's sort of this distant thing is like, man, I have to deal with this problem of you know dealing with people and and what people people's like underlying intentions and how to like uh not let people have leverage on you i know there are a lot of manipulative people out there and i was always interested in like how do i prevent people from having um leverage on me and you know just discovering that the enneagram was this like super cheat cheat sheet code of of like you know what people were up to blew it up for me like it just you know blew it wide open and the idea that not only was it that that I could have the ability to walk into a room and either see someone or have a short conversation with them and know what their types was like the most it just blew my mind and that became that's what kind of like got me super obsessed with it like if that's possible if it is possible for me to walk into a room or have a short conversation with someone and know what their type is I could be the most dangerous person in the room, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like in terms of like, cause a lot of, a lot of um, bad and wrong (laughs) Uh in terms of like, you know, you know, salespeople who basically manipulate people into buying things. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are people are manipulating each other all the time. And, you know, it felt like if I understood, uh, you know, like, what someone's type was and and where they were coming from it's like okay you know this person is a six and they really care about how things fit together and and what the source is that's a huge deal if you can know that you know within the first couple minutes of talking to someone so it's like holy shit this is like this is this is incredible like this is such a huge cheat sheet you know and and that is so kind of underground and no one knows anything about coming off of that it's like you know like carl jung was a nine and it's like digging all the way back to the elements of the psyche which is that space of archetypes and mythologies and and things that are true about all human beings so it's like in the gut types i think body types you're 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 in that space of what just uh existence is made from right Mm -hmm. and so if you're at that place i mean that's a serious 
place of leverage and power if you have a lens into you know the building blocks of what it is to be a human to exist and so forth you know that's pretty extreme autonomy and power it's sort of a it's sort of a god space in a way right yeah 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 100 percent yeah and i feel like um you know the the enneagram sort of uh, and having such a, a finger tip sort of touch of how the enneagram works in terms of how to how to use it with people in real time even though i'm not i don't have any social it gives me sort of of a confidence in terms of dealing with people mm-hmm. um that i don't even i like i know that i can handle whatever people throw at me like the worst case scenario like i know psychologically where they're coming from and it's not i'm not like a super savvy smooth you know guy in terms of the the some of the most smoothest people i've ever seen but I do have knowledge of some deep psychological stuff, which makes makes it very difficult to um, get one on over on me. And, <laughs> you know, like that's that's the most important aspect of it. But it also means that if I want to make some something happen, um, I, it makes me very. Um, uh, what's the word? Yeah. Ju- yeah. Just like I can I can make things happen very. It's like having a shortcut. You know, if you yeah. know the the button. That if you push this button, things start to move internally for people. Um, so it's like you can put me in a situation like something's going to happen. You know, like I know what the, the buttons to push, basically. David, I was curious about like if you could say more about God space. I think that was kind of interesting. As as a not uh philosopher of the universe, uh <laughs> like you know, the thing that's always fascinating to me about nines is the identification with god but also like not just little old me you know like <laughs> right <laughs> like and 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 i don't know like there's this almost on all fronts subversion of owning personhood right and and anyway there was just like the connection between understanding and as a as a the the element like going to the elementals or something that was just so, i don't know yeah so I think a big part of nine is that paradox right there is, and that it is a paradox and that that's fundamental to nine is that there is a quality in nines and there have been certain nines um, in history or whatever that seem to have a certain capacity to channel actually like really big forces. Um, I mean, you see it also in eights rulers and whatever presidents and so on similar but there's a certain quality in nines that um it's it's the paradox of the hollowness the non-personness has also is the is the more hollow reed or or the hollow entity in which all the forces of the universe could flow through Right. Or I mean, I'm I'm being dramatic or mythological when I say that. Right. No, make, um, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's part of that. The level of the personality, the interactive personality, that's part of, in a way, why the nine makes themselves so small is because at the same time, they actually do have in their power that possibility of channeling so much. And it's and that in itself is threatening 
to the personality and you have a certain sense of that um maybe as a nine that you know you could turn on this switch and you know it would unleash right all kinds of stuff and and i mean people project a lot of stuff onto nines and i've been the poor poor victim of you know some (laughs) some some big 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 projections i mean like like and it's partly it's partly relates to what i was talking about earlier of you know through conversations online or whatever in any context there's this sense that you're seeing into people at a certain really deep level and it's at a really base level right and yeah uh, that gets into the symbolism of you know the body center is a lower center right so you're really at the root of existence and people's existence uh, right um Mm -hmm. as opposed to the emotional or thinking um it's like existence itself and so forth and that capacity to um sort of channel big forces um sometimes you know people sense that i guess and and then and then do project you know big big stuff that which is interesting it you know i especially being social last you know you you don't attach to it in the same way as if i had social first or second i don't really understand it's it's, i sort of somewhat stand back in amusement right at what people are doing in how they're seeing me when they are having that kind of big archetypal projection um Mm. and and it's it's part of my journey partly i'd say in going to threeness right is is how do i hold that and actually not just denigrate it in myself or them or the person that's having the projection and sort of be with whatever authority you know of course a person who's doing a projection is doing you know some kind of when i i mean an archetypal projection you know they're giving you sort of too much but at the same time there's to own some amount of authority right and as opposed to like like you know part of how my seven fix works in the context is to just play with all of that right and that gets me I kind of get burned by my own tricks sometimes, right? Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. In all of that, so it's a, it's an interesting interplay. Yeah, like what 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 that brings up is seems like there's a lot of nines in history that have sort of been like emissaries for zeitgeist change. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, you know, Carl Jung yeah. was like a major channel, yeah. so to speak. But even politically, like. You know, he gets idealized a little too much, but Abraham Lincoln, you know, like oversaw yep. a paradigm shift. And even though he's a fucking demon, fucking Reagan, you know, yep. like yep. totally is the, totally. the angel of death of neoliberalism. <laughs> uh, but there's others. And, you know, I wonder, like, too, like somebody, a historical figure that strikes me is that kind of zeitgeist realized in a human is napoleon but i think he, was, he i wonder if he's an eight with a with a nine wing act instead of a seven wing he's an eight he's, he's definitely an eight, an eight for sure. but if, yeah. he's yeah. a, if he's got a nine wing uh, uh i think yeah probably i i, I would i, would I can see so. that yeah because he's got that sense of being like a force of you know the zeitgeist responding to something you know 
Yeah, I think eights with the nine tend to play or play that role. Um, what's this yeah. guy's name that that was responsible for the sexual revolution? What's his name? Uh, right. Yeah. For example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of eight nines like Hitler. Another eight nine. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I wasn't sure if Hitler what's what his wing is, but yeah, nine. Those listening, Hitler nine. is not a fucking sexual four. <laughs> Jeez, that, or a six. Yeah, or a six. Get that fucking shit out of your head. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean I, I don't I don't like to make blanket statements uh about any types, but this it's pretty safe to say this because there's really no other personality structure that at its extreme ends up at total rulership and right. dictatorship yeah other than yeah. eight yeah, totally. there's no other personality type that is so yeah. um that it's a bull it's such a bullseye totally. to say that i am going to set everything up where i am the absolute ruler no so other type got the leverage over everybody everyone right. <laughs> so, so mothers if you're if you have a, a an eight child just leave it ex- to die of exposure on a mountain top. <laughs> yeah, he could be hitler Send one day <laughs> yeah. 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 um but yeah it's pretty safe bet that if someone is an, a dictator because it's also like i don't think people understand what it what it takes to get to that position no one just yeah. hand you dictatorship right. you have to be extremely violent cunning everything that and also just like narcissistic enough to believe in that you deserve you to be the center of everything to be the center of everything i don't know where i, I was going I, with all I that know, i know people get hysterical about trump and say it like like all right like i i'm a leftist i fucking hate trump but i also see trump as just a symptom of stuff but at the same time you know like he's like remarkably endure, like enduring like mm, yep fight with a huge idiot fuck up he is like he just keeps lasting and all these clowns around him just get recycled really easily. And it's like, you know, he'll just like fire people. He's like, oh, I don't like your tie today. You know, it's like there's something so grotesque and just like a, like watching watching him like, you know, Biden is ahead in the polls right now. And, you know, Clinton was uh, same time last last election. So it's like, you know, he could still fumble back into the White House. And I'm I'm kind of going to dark town there. Uh, yeah. And taking that seriously, but it's like, despite being such a fucking idiot, he's generating this level of energy and yeah. like, chaos that that caring itself. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 again symbolically, it's because it's at such a base level, that body level. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really touching. And well, it's God's base. I mean, like people are doing the thing of projecting Messiah on him. Yeah. yeah like totally. That. Or devil, yeah. like, or devil. You know, I don't know. Yeah, the the whole political uh, way people take project, like, yeah. I mean, and that's interesting. Like, I think Biden is seven. You know, yeah, and uh, yeah. And, he, and he's like non-existent as an entity. You know, compared mm-hmm. to Trump, like, there's no energy around Biden. They're just don't liking Trump, uh, not liking Trump. But there's no Biden can't carry the projection. And no. so like, that's like part of my, my fear is like, you know, I'm obviously unapologetically a Bernie guy and Bernie at least had the body, uh, projection ha- holder True. of yes. righteousness and goodness that he can, can hold against the cha- the God of chaos. And now we've got this fucking senile idiot who like <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> Not to say that sevens don't have capacity and strength, but just 
on this level of like global geopolitical forces and archetypes. No, yep. like he's not able to carry the archetype, whereas Bernie could carry an archetype and Trump yep. can carry an archetype and Obama could carry an archetype, but mm-hmm. Biden is not carrying an archetype. The, the only thing that we could hope for is that Trump is the incumbent and, you know, right. before he was like an unknown factor and people were so not liking Hillary. People had enough negative energy. Exactly, exactly. Negative motivation against Hillary and Biden or uh, Trump was this unknown, you know, uh, he was, variable. He was funnier too. Yeah, yeah. Like he's people not as funny just, as he was. People are willing to take, we're willing to take a chance on Trump because they didn't, it was like, let's see what he can do. But now as the incumbent, um, you know, people know what he's capable of. And, you know, it, I, I think before COVID-19, I, I thought he was going to win, but like you can't spin around just how fucked up this year has been for everyone because of it. And of course he's, his handling of it has been, I think is going to be his downfall. Um, yeah. You know, just like a lot of these senior citizens who are most affected by it aren't, are pretty fucking pissed off because of the way he's handled it. And I, that's, that's when I realized, especially him getting it not that long ago, I think was a nail in the coffin for him. Um, mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is that what's working against Trump this time around is that he has enough negative, people have enough negative projection and that is so big that there is enough energy against voting against him not even if biden is a non-entity that people don't care about him like i think there, there's enough energy to vote against trump that i don't think there's enough uh, moderates and i don't think there's enough people in the middle that are energized to vote for him because his base is not going to be enough but he had enough like undecideds you know in 2016 yeah. that were like you know i'll do it but there's too much energy against him um, yeah, this yeah. time around. Yeah. Because I think it's interesting to see that phenomenon of um, gut types channeling huge projections or, you know, people projecting a lot of energy yeah. on them or them channeling huge movements, um, which sets up Obama about, was major, you know? Oh, that yeah. Was huge right. in 2008. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It says something about just the, you know, ground level being able to to channel a lot of ground level energy that tons of people that moves you know just a fuck ton of people in in a certain direction uh why a lot of um seems like a lot of leaders in organizations in general just end up being gut types assistance i got two gutties here uh do y'all recognize or feel when you are in the midst of maybe channeling something or representing some kind of larger force versus when you're doing your thing like have you had moments or something where you're like oh this something's coming through me i can recognize in person and and online that i can hold a certain kind of presence you know grounded presence for people that might represent something i think the older i've gotten the more i've recognized that um i do have a pretty significant presence whether i realize it or not and um you know, I've always growing up, I'd always because I don't have any social, so I don't really have that much investment in being the leader. But I, I noticed that since I was a kid, that there'd there'd be this sort of recurring scenario where I just get a group of people around me, like you know, and me as some as some sort of activator for something. In every context that I've um, ended up in, whether I, I'm I know what I'm doing or not, that 
my presence is big enough that it it pulls certain people in to something and and it partly having a sort of a solid direction that i'm going um i'm doing so in a confident way that you know people want people may be pulled into that and you know just for example just being clear about the direction i'm going so in, in terms of like for example the way that we do the enneagram like the group there was a point where i felt like yeah we have i can kind of pinpoint okay this is the thing this is the list of things that define where we're going and you know people can feel that but someone has has to put that into stone and say this is what this group this is what this group is about and i always end up being the one who recognizes that like this is where we're going and even though i don't have any social yeah. but there's a way that i i can recognize that this is the path and that we have to embody and we have to you know what it what is like for example this podcast like what is this podcast like I, question <laughs> yeah, yeah like you know just there's a part of me that recognizes that a path has to be set and defined so that other people can walk it in and that it can grow and it can become much bigger and so there's a way that i i know that i'm i'm embodying some kind of space um that can envelop people and can pull people in consciously or unconsciously i think i've become more conscious of that as i've gotten older but yeah for me it's uh two kind of tracks come to mind is you know just um one is that for some reason and i mean as a nine i guess it makes sense that i sort of don't even know what the hell's happening <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's like for some reason people project authority onto me right and mm -hmm. and so something's happening again at a body level in other people relative to what's emanating from me i guess at a body level to the degree that i am channeling big forces or something along those lines um and getting at that sort of root archetypal mythological elemental level and so there's something somehow that emanates like i mean it took me till my mid-30s to as a 974 huh to you know start to get my shit together with <laughs> finances and survival mm. and shit and, <laughs> and when i got into that space finally pushed myself into that space i was like within a couple of months i was already in a leadership position i was like what 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 <laughs> how is this what's happening huh? and it and it kept uh, exactly and it kept happening too like throughout my time in that in that world i was in, in in a certain business space um so there's that and then there's the sense in just a, a at a private introverted level that uh conceptually um there's certain associations i've made and and certain models that I've applied to the Enneagram symbol and, and so, so forth and, and like the Bhava Chakra stuff related to the, that Buddhist symbol and mm -hmm. so forth. There's, there's a sense um, in, in private space of that something's coming through right now that's, uh, you know, I'm not particularly self-conscious about it, but I can feel something's happening. And it's an energizing force that's not my typical, you know, kind of slack kind of energy. So, yeah, I do 
sense it when it's happening to some degree. So is there a way to like, not to make it happen, but to like make yourself more available for such things to happen? You, you, you mean like, should we or could we develop it more? Or, yeah, I mean, or make it more intentional? Yeah, I think like, you know, uh, when it comes to like what you call like higher or archetypal or essential or whatever, like, you know, the personality can't really do those things. And yeah. even though it tries to all the time, but there are ways mm. to prepare the ground, so to speak, so that, you know, like you, the way I think of it is you put yourself before a potential force that could come through you and like it might or might not, but there's a way to sort of be available or receptive to that. And I can imagine that, you know, some people are either naturally or through some kind of training or something, so to speak, uh, unconsciously have put themselves more available for that. David, you, t- you talked about your experience going to that spiritual event the, with, what's her name? Amachi or Ama? Oh, Ama. Ama. Yeah. Yeah, she's an So a. that's an example of this sort of a thing of, she's an a, yeah, a gut type who is literally giving people some kind of transformative spiritual experience through a hug. Mm-hmm. And um, so you could look at that as an example of an intentional using the body as a channel of something higher. Um, I, I've never gone to that event, but that's definitely what, if, what that seems like. David, can you talk about what you experienced going to that? So Alma is, this is a hugging saint, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alma the hugging saint. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think she's a sexual social eight with a seven. And I've been actually to a couple events, one in Spain and one in Dallas, um, and they're amazing. And it's partly to me, just personally, partly probably because because there is sexual instinct in there. The scene and the vibe, and the, you know, it's the sexual and the eight. It it really, well, you just really feel an energy, and it's um, man. I wish I, it's you know, <laughs> it's body stuff, so it's really hard to translate. But it is a certain kind of electricity, and it's there's constant music that is actually, you know, quasi-sexual or whatever in the sense that there's these chants and things going on that are rising, 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 like in musical, in music pitch. You know, like, you know, there's a guy that's doing, who's got this uh, deep voice who's you know, kind of, it's almost like he's her MC in a way, but he's mm-hmm. a musical MC and he's, and he's, and it's rising and rising and rising. And it's, and there's a ceremony that happens like on the last night where she's in this full goddess regalia and she's, and the, the music's going and it's that Indian music and the, all the instruments and it's, um, and it's very celebratory and it's very upbeat and she's tossing flower petals constantly and also just like whipping her arms around and it's really like something's actually happening like she's actually pushing huge energy with her arms and it's Mm -hmm. like you're feeling it and anyway i went for the first time uh, the first time I saw her was in Spain with my friend Sandra. And, um, you know, I just went cause it seemed, it was interesting. I had the money to do it and I wasn't, you know, expecting some amazing thing. And not that my experience was, you know, 
I, I don't know if it permanently did anything or whatever, but uh, I, you know, did the thing you, you get in line and you get a hug from her, right? You get, uh, you know, she looks at you, she get you, she hugs you and she does some kind of personalized chant into your ear. And I, you know, I was open to it being bullshit. I was open to it being amazing. Me having a big weep fest or whatever. Right. And, um, and what happened to me, uh, and it was very strong is I got a very clear and I've never felt this ever in my life, a very strong sensation from the hug and the blessing or whatever that she gave me that she had like as an eight, she gave me like this steel rod in my gut that was that was really really firm it was like you know just and and it was like as if there was it was actually there like there was a a new firmness of will um Mm. and and it had a very physical sensation to it and and again i was you know i was kind of just entertained by the whole scene and and it was really uplifting and so forth and i i had no expectations but i had that sensation lasted for many hours and uh it was it was just interesting that kind of i mean in the con in the enneagram context of sort of an an eight giving a nine a a firmness in the gut sounds like she and i I, i'm saying this in a joking way but also kind of not like she like knocked you up yeah. <laughs> no, it was. It was a knockup because it was a phallic kind right. of thing. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't remember what the original question was. You were just asking about that Alma experience. Well, yeah, I've, I think he was, you know, John was asking about is there a sort of in, intentional way to channel this gut thing? Mm. And it, that struck me as an example of because um, if if that's happening, if if an A is has created this spiritual experience that is real is a real physical experience for people and mm-hmm. what's happening just on a ev- regular everyday level you know like how do people experience me like you know there's a certain presence that people notice with me is you know there's got to be some kind of energy that i'm that i'm bringing into situations that maybe this sense of a grounded firmness that people mm-hmm. can sense that draws them into some kind of experience or, you know, like maybe someone, they want some kind of um, experience of firm confidence or self-assuredness. And I recognize that over the, over the course of my life that I've attracted, you know, sixes, (laughs) something for sixes. (laughs) I've just attracted sixes into my life. And, you know, sometimes it's just a phone call, like just needing to talk to me about, stuff like me it's not even necessarily that i have the answer but i recognize that the experience of uh you know just what i'm like is like you know like the experience that david had is like i'm giving you the the a gut level groundedness or firmness that could be um very supportive to a six and, and it's not necessarily that I have the answers. It's just like that experience. It's a gut level experience that of someone who. It's maybe more was, of an energy. It's it's there's no. It's not about any words that you. Would say. Exactly. Yeah. It's not about that at all. And, that, and and that's what's body type about it, right? Is that it? Actually, the real content is not any words you would say. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I would also add, uh, I don't get grounding so much from eights. I get, so I, one of my Egyptian friends is this Egyptian tour guide named Emil, who's a social eight. And uh, he always says, activation. So he's <laughs> always like, we go into a temple and it's like, let's get to activated. And he's like, you activate the temple, you activate, you activate. And so what I get from you and from him and from eights in general is that there's like an activation quality, like grounding. I associate more with nine, like this, Mm -hmm. like, whoa, like suddenly like little old me becomes like the ground of the ocean floor where all things settle and like something like, whoa, I'm really held in this whole thing. Whereas like eight has this more activating and effective uh, quality. And I think maybe for sixes uh, that I know that you attract a lot of sixes. Uh, you know, there's a certainty in your direction. Yeah. Even if I know that you sometimes are taken by a ride from your own force and energy, it's mm-hmm. at least bringing something somewhere rather than, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely have a, a clear direction that I'm going. Um, just by the function of my personality doesn't mean right. I actually know what the fuck I'm doing. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's what sixes get into is, is, uh, you know, just a firmness of, all right, here, here's what we do. You know, it's, like, a, it's a singularity too. Like to me, uh, archetypally, of course, the six is, you know, it's two threes, right? Equals six, right? So it's that splitness and eight represents a singleness of mm-hmm. will. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's now it's into a steel rod that is one finally, right? Right. You know, I forget this is a thing. Um, I, I forget that mm-hmm. the, the gut types have a presence that kind of pulls people in that that can channel a kind of energy, which means that, you know, just remembering this uh, experience that David had with uh, Amachi, the hugging saint, which means that, you know, like David or John saying that there's an intentional way to use this energy to create experiences for people, you know, just watching like videos of um, James Brown, and just the kind of energy that he's whipping up with his dancing and his music. And it's different, you know, there are other musicians and that you know, are doing similar things, but there's a way that there's a kinetic sexual energy that his music has and his performances have yeah. that, you know, he's whipping up a, a significant amount of energy that people can feel in their bodies. So there's got to be an, an, an intentional way that you can, at least for me, like create these sort of experiences through your presence. I and mean, I, I think of, you know, the weekend that we had in New York being like, um, you know, we were channeling some stuff there, you know, just, just yeah. because of the people that were involved. Yeah. Um, and there's something about presence that can channel a certain kind of an experience. And I'm really curious about that. You know, I'm really curious about, you know, what kinds of experiences that you can put into people's bodies. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to also look at the heart center and the head center from these kind of yeah. large themes or whatever. Yep. Like higher capacities or whatever. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Very. Yeah, yeah it was interesting for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Later. Okay, good night, y'all. Okay. Later. Good night. Bye. Bye.